It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You've got to hear about the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artist. It's the highest awarded topical brand in all of Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. It's fantastic for penetrating for that deep muscle tissue discomfort that's going to be fast absorbing and will not not stain your sheets or clothes that is huge when it comes to these things you'll feel better you'll still look better as well the best part is you can find them at any of your 11 light shade dispensaries in the denver metro area light shade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates top shelf flower edibles tinctures accessories and more and now you can get 25 percent off non-sale items simply with the use of code dnvr shop online at lightshade.com for your pickup or visit a light shade location near you that's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you use code DNVR at sign up, your $5 bet on the NBA playoffs this postseason can net you 150 in free bets. All you got to do is pick a winner. That's it. Favorite or otherwise, $5 can get turned into 150 in free bets very, very quickly with DraftKings Sportsbook and with code DNVR. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, on this post-game recap. Rockies do go down pretty badly, unfortunately. Rockies do fall to the San Francisco Giants, 9-2. to Antonio Senzatella, not sharp. Alex Wood for the Giants is sharp. I'm going to tell you a little bit about something that Gabe Kapler is doing right now and how he applied additional pressure on the Colorado Rockies. You're going to hear audio from Bud Black's post-game presser where he does talk about Antonio Senzatella, Jonathan Daza, Ty Block, and just assessing a loss like this. Rockies do lose their ninth straight against the Giants. It's their longest win streak for San Francisco since September 2012. Loss on Wednesday that will tie for the longest losing streak that the Rockies have ever had against the Giants. Obviously, hope that is not the case. Stenzatella had pitched really well overall in the past in his three prior games at Oracle Park. He was 2-0 with a 2.57 ERA, only four earned runs in 14 innings pitch. Hadn't fared as well at Coors Field, but nevertheless, it was not the outcome that I think anyone was looking for. He's not able to get through the fourth inning, throws over 80 pitches in a very short amount of time. Did give up seven hits, no home runs, uh, walked two, only struck out the one there uh, in route to a five-run outing. All five were earned. I want to talk about the pressure that Gabe Kapler put on the Rockies. Now, 
went and had his you know typical lineup mixing and matching in various ways. What was interesting is on Monday, uh, Brandon Belt was scratched from the lineup, was scratched also on Tuesday, but you had Mike Yastrzemski batting ninth and then gets moved up to the third spot in the order. That was very strange. And correction, Brandon Belt was in the lineup today. There was a different scratch. But that's the kind of flexibility that the Giants have right now. And I think the Rockies have a little bit of that. We've seen that, obviously, today with a guy like Jose Iglesias, who is batting eight, uh, eighth on Monday, had a fantastic three-hit performance. Then you see him go out and bat second on Tuesday and comes through with two more hits of his own. He's been really solid. Iglesias went three for four with two runs, two doubles, two RBI on Monday night. His 421 batting average in the eighth hole in the lineup is tied with the Mets' Jeff McNeil, one of the best teams in all the National League right now, uh, with the New York Mets. So he's hitting 329. That was going into Tuesday, 11th best in the majors. That went up a little bit with his good day at the plate going two for four. And you know, among shortstops, he's tops in, in batting average, on-base percentage, and doubles. He had eight going into Tuesday, wasn't able to get another one. He only had two singles. But again, just in general, he's been doing it all up and down the lineup. And that's what Gabe Kapler has been able to get from his lineup and his roster. And we saw it more in the fifth inning when Lucas Gilbreth threw one pitch to get out of a little jam in the fourth and relief of Senzatella. But Gilbreth in the game there, and right away, in the fifth inning, he lifts his cleanup hitter, the DH, Jock Peterson, for Darren Ruff to get him a better matchup. Instead of a left-on-left matchup that will favor the Rockies and Lucas Gilbreth, he goes with the right-handed hitting Darren Ruff. It pays out, in a sense, gets hit by a pitch, gets on base. Okay, that's fine and well, but we see it at the end of the inning, uh, or later, later in the lineup, I should say, at the bottom of the order, in Austin Slater, who pinch hits for another left-handed hitter, Luis Gonzalez, and that ends up being the first walk of the inning for Gilbreth. He would walk Kirk Sally after that. And so this is all a part of something different. This is all a part of a greater concept of what Gabe Kapler is doing. He is maybe micromanaging is the way to look at it. He's He's managing every game as if it was a postseason game. You do things differently in a postseason game that you would in a regular season game. And we haven't seen that on the pitching side, at least not yet uh, in this series, I should say. Maybe you could say that he is doing that postseason type strategizing in the regular season as well, because we know their bullpen has been used a lot. And they've gotten some good starting pitching. Not great outside of Carlos Rodon. You know, it's been good. Alex Wood, very good today. Uh, on Tuesday night. So it's an interesting strategy to really apply additional pressure on teams, even when the game is already out of reach. We have unwritten rules about, you know, not stealing bases when there's a lead of six or more runs. Well, the Giants have decided, they've made a choice to say, you know what? No, we are going to continue to press because who knows what might happen. Who knows how many more runs we can score, and maybe you're going to have to go and use another reliever, or we're going to demoralize that guy so badly and force his pitch count to be so much that you're not going to be able to use him for the rest of that series. 
And that is an advantage. If you're playing especially a four-game series, what happens in game one can take a guy and wipe him off the table by the by the end of, of game four there, you know, two and a half days later at that point. So they are, are looking to make those changes and adjustments where normally you see that late in the game, especially in the old school National League way before there was a universal DH. You'd have in the eighth and ninth inning, you're going to do a little double switch, something like that to gain an advantage at that point late in the game. But earlier in the game, there might be those same advantages that you could have. It's why sometimes your best reliever may not be the one that gets the final three outs because the sixth, seventh, or the eighth might be the inning where the top or middle of a lineup is coming up. And that best reliever that you've got, you may want to deploy that pitcher in that critical spot. And so it's very interesting to see what the Giants have been doing. You know, they go to 18 and 12 now on the season as they're just now really starting to find their groove just a little bit, having some guys back. Brandon Belt off the COVID IL. Tommy LaStella is really close. Evan Longoria was in the Giants clubhouse, was in there catching up with uh, Colorado native Tyler Rogers. You'll get some of that content on the DNVR.com. Now only 50 cents for your first month. That will be coming up next week. Expect that bad boy to drop on Monday as the Rockies are home for 10 days. Nine games against the Royals, Giants, and Mets respectively. But disappointing loss, of course, because it just seemed, again, almost as if the Rockies weren't necessarily in this one as much as you would have liked. Connor Joe, two hits, both singles, went two for five. Didn't steal a base, but did move up in the ninth on defensive indifference. Jose Iglesias, two for five there. Charlie Blackman held hitless, did hit into a inning-ending double play in the fifth. That was a bad spot there. Could have put the Rockies back into the game just a little bit. C.J. Crone with two hits, one of which was an infield single, believe it or not. Ryan McMahon, one for three, scored the first run of the game and walked. Jonathan Daza did have a really big day at the plate. He was three for four, had a double, single, triple. I said on Twitter at Patrick D. Lyons that, you know what, if the Rockies are going to win this game, Jonathan Daza is going to have a chance to do a a cargo slash Nolan type cycle whereby, hey, he can hit a home run. He's going to have another opportunity to see if he can do it. Obviously, the odds of that were incredibly low, but hey, it's got to be noted. He was a homer away from hitting for the cycle. Garrett Hampson 0 for 3, but did uh, do a nice job drawing a walk there in his first AB. And Sam Hilliard with a sacrifice fly did have an RBI on the night. So Lucas Gilbreth not looking so hot there. First guy out of the pen. Tie block did look pretty good. Two and two-thirds innings pitch. Kind of nice little course correction there that we saw as uh, as his, you know, some of his outings since that big one that he had on the opening weekend there in game three to help the Rockies beat the Dodgers at home, give them a series victory, kind of lost his way a little bit, but got himself back on track in a ballpark he knows really well, wrote about that a little bit on Monday with a banter from the bench, a, a piece that I've been doing uh, every a couple of weeks where kind of just sit down and have a little conversation on a general topic with 
a player and, and Ty Block talked about his time in San Francisco and some of the things he had done there, the things he appreciates about that ballpark and his time in San Francisco overall. You also have Jolie's Chassin who did pitch the eighth inning. That was a one run affair there, back to back doubles to Darren Ruff and Tyro Estrada. So Rockies are going to see what they can do on Wednesday afternoon. That should be 2.45, I believe, Mountain Standard Time. No, excuse me, it will be 1.45 Mountain Daylight Time. So it will be 2.45 Mountain Standard Time, but nobody cares about that. That's just a fancy way of saying Arizona does things differently. It's going to be Chad Cool at 1.45 against Alex Cobb. Chad Cool 3-0, 1.82 ERA. He talked briefly today with the AT&T Sportsnet crew with Ryan Spielborgs and said, you know, he's he's had some decent success in this ballpark. Only one start. Uh, got away from him a little bit late, uh, thanks to Alex Dickerson, who's no longer with the Giants. So, hey, maybe that's all that it's going to take for Chad Cool to have a much more solid start at the ballpark here in China Basin, formerly known as Pac Bell Park. AT&T Park and now Oracle Park. Also for two years, SBC Park. I didn't remember. I didn't remember that. I know that now, but boy, those were two years that just kind of flashed by. I also want to tell you about a young man by the name of Riley Smith. I don't know if you've heard that name or familiar with him. He's a 27-year-old right-hander with some big league experience, and well, that's what the Rockies liked about him. Most caught up with Bill Schmidt on Monday and talked about this recent signing. He's not a guy on the 40-man. Uh, he will report to Albuquerque. And, you know, Schmidt basically said, look, he's a good arm with with some big league pedigree. Has uh, pitched in parts of two seasons with Arizona. You might remember him more in 2021 just because it was over the course of the 67 innings. Started six games, but at the big league level, he's probably – much more of a reliever type, was good in 2020, but that was only over the course of 18 innings, was a 24th round pick in 2016 out of LSU, was pitching, I believe, independent ball. Bill Schmidt did say he came out of the American Association. Their season hasn't started yet, so there are no stats on him just yet, but Rockies get a little bit more depth there. In AAA, are they going to need to call on him? You hope not. You definitely hope that's not the case, but you you can't be caught out there. So you definitely, definitely need to be prepared for that. No two ways about it. You may have seen a couple of things on social media or if you're watching the game on AT&T Sportsnet. Giants do some things uh, pretty big. Pretty big. The National Anthem on Monday was not sung, but was done, was uh, was played by Jonah Kim, a cellist from South Korea. That was neat. And the first pitch wasn't a baseball. I mean, it was. It was a facsimile of a baseball. It was a Lego brick. Lego brick artist Nathan Sawaya, who uh, the art of the brick is something that uh, he's got out there. So that was uh, interesting, to say the least, on Tuesday. One of the better national anthems I have ever heard, Sophia Bromberg, tip of the cap, to her, a singer from nearby San Rafael in this general Bay Area. She was on The Voice. You might have remembered her a year or two ago. And the first pitch, the mayor of London, Mayor Sadiq Khan. I bring that up because he was in New York 
on Monday talking about the London series. We were not able to get to that topic on Tuesday's show, either of Tuesday's show. If you go back and listen to that, had a really cool conversation with Jackson Olson, a baseball content creator who's doing some pretty big things out there. That was really fun to talk with him. That's going to be one that we look back on in a year or two and say, oh, shoot, how did we get this person on our show? Because they are huge. And, you know, uh, as I said, we, we didn't talk about the London series. It was in our outline, but let's let's talk about it right now ever so briefly. London series will be back. They had it in 2019. You might recall Yankees and Red Sox played two games out there. I want to say about the third week of July. Pretty amazing event, to say the least. Of course, we've had the pandemic uh, over the last three years. 2020, 2021, who's wiped off the table. 2020 was supposed to be Cubs and Cardinals. And I'm not sure if that was what was scheduled for 2023. It may be. They'll be back in 2024. Not in 2025. Don't know why. Uh, But again, in 2026, was thinking maybe the mayor was there on his little baseball tour of the United States. Maybe that was going to be to announce that perhaps the Rockies would be playing in the London series. Now, sure, the Rockies are not one of the premier clubs in all of MLB, but with four iterations of the London series, right? Three more coming up. Yankees and and Red Sox having already done it. Yankees having already participated in the Field of Dreams game. You say you got to spread it around a little bit. And yeah, you know, over the course of these specialty games, for every maybe, say, I don't know, five times that you have a marquee team, you may only get two of the smaller market clubs. It might be something like that. So, you know, maybe two to one, closer to that. Not exactly sure, but the Rockies might be in there between the Field of Dreams and the London Series. It will happen eventually at some point. Maybe they'll be on the back end of that. Hard to tell, but no announcements have been made about who's been playing Otherwise, you also may have noticed on social media in different places, the London media that was there to follow the mayor of London around. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what the purpose was. Were they talking politics? I I, I still don't know. Didn't get a chance to catch up with them. They seemed a little bit busy. They seemed a little bit rowdy in a good way. They weren't media. I don't I don't necessarily know if they were sports media, but also at the same time, you know, hey, different rules. And so there was there was one character that was pulling for the Giants and uh, was was chirping at the umpire. It was quite entertaining, to say the least. I think we all enjoyed it and said, "Hey, you know what? This is a, a new experience for them, so you know why not?" Thought that was uh, a pretty neat thing. There. Also, want to mention that on Monday, Bud Black noticed uh, as he looked out before we started talking that the guy throwing batting practice to the Giants that day was a guy who threw him batting practice 30 years ago in 1992 when Buddy was a member of the Giants over at Candlestick Park long before Pac Bell Park, as it was originally called, was even uh, had a blueprint, right? So thought that was kind of neat. And I also want to point out that on Tuesday, this was an interesting wrinkle that you may have may not have noticed either on the schedule or maybe it was uh, talked about a little bit. But Oakland had a home game on Tuesday. That was at 10-10 local time. 10-10 on the West Coast. And 
you might be saying, well, Patrick, did you consider going? Or why didn't you go, in fact? And it's simple. I did not go to the 10 o'clock Oakland home game, even though I was just outside of San Francisco, because that game was in Detroit. Yes, that game is in Detroit. The Rockies have had... They they got very lucky with their schedule. We we've talked about it a bunch. We'll we'll get into it later. But I would have to think that the the A's maybe have had the worst luck. San Francisco, I think, had to travel to Washington for one game on a Monday. That was uh, rather strange in April. But for Oakland and Detroit, a three game series in Oakland. They only play once in Oakland because they are not in the same division, same league, but not the same division. And they decided, all right, well, the first day after the All-Star, Detroit will fly to Oakland for a doubleheader. Okay, great. But that still leaves one more game. And they weren't able to figure out a way for Detroit to get to Oakland. So they said, well, you know what? They're playing in early May. So let's squeeze in a doubleheader. And the first game of the doubleheader will be considered Oakland's home game. So the Oakland Athletics played a home game in Detroit on Tuesday, May 10th because baseball. Well, really it's it's more because of the lockout and the weird schedule quirks, but that's baseball. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and allow you to listen to this audio here of Bud Black as he gets into a little bit more detail on what happened, what went wrong on Tuesday. They got beat. Here's how, here's why, here's what's up with Senzatella, Ty Block, and Jonathan Daza. Buddy, when you look back on the box score tonight, is it a defensive play, a potential double play balls, especially the one in the fourth inning to with Lamont Wade Jr.? I mean, how do you how do you look at assess tonight's game? Well, I think that it's a couple things, right? I think you you know, we didn't pitch great. Too many walks. Uh, you know, we hit a guy to start an inning, not ideal. Um, but you can't give this team, you know, free passes. you got to make them earn They're tough. I mean, they battle. Uh, you know, they take their walks. Uh, they put the ball in play. Uh, but Sensa, a couple walks in the second, <clears throat> you know, led to a little bit of uh, trouble. They scored three there. Then in the, <clears throat> the fourth, like you said, we didn't make a play. Looked like a potential double play ball. And then in the sixth, it got away from us, right? A couple more walks, uh, hit by pitch. So it's a combination of the, you know, the pitching, but yet, you know, we scored two runs too. So it's a, it's a little bit of both. You know, on this trip, we haven't scored. We had some opportunities to, you know, get a knock or two to get us closer, to get some momentum offensively, but didn't get it. Uh, again, so it's a, it's a combination of both, Spilly. Uh, both the, uh, you know, a lot of the pitching, and their pitchers have made pitches to shut us down. I guess uh, a, a guy like Senza, he loves to get the ball on the ground, though. Even when he walks a couple of guys, he's always a pitch from getting out of it. Is it just you guys have to make a few more of those plays, maybe the extra? No, stuff? not really, Thomas. I mean, he's got to make pitches. He made some mistakes, yeah. too, now. I mean, he, you, know, he's, you know, he can't walk guys. But, uh, you know, we have to, as a team do, like all teams do, you have to do everything right. To win a game, so uh, it just didn't happen tonight. 
one thing later in the game, you got Ty Block in there for a couple of innings, and um, looks like, do you feel like you can get him on a little bit of a roll, give you another lefty you can use? In well, the, I think Ty's game. role is what you saw tonight, to eat up some innings. He's done that a couple times. Uh, you know, Ty's been, you know, throwing strikes for us. He works fast, uh, changes speeds. He had a, he had a, he had a good outing tonight. It's what we needed tonight, you know, to save our bullpen for tomorrow. Daza's been pretty consistent here over the past week. What have you liked about him? You know, Daza's bat-to-ball skills are solid. Uh, he's getting hits. I mean, that's uh, the thing that stands out for us is, uh, you know, his hit ability. You know, he continues to get hits, whether home, road, doesn't matter. So that's a that's a good thing for 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 him. Good thing for us. He's uh, he's doing very well. You know, he's one of the the bright spots on this trip. When you look at yourselves offensively, um, is there anything that's kind of gotten away from you? Or is it more you, you're just battling against good pitches? And just no, a little bit coming. of clutch hitting, yeah. right? We've had some opportunities. We can't get the big blow or the or the key at bat. So we just got to keep pushing, keep pushing. We got some hits today, uh, you know, but we just couldn't break through. You know, we had the bases loaded there late in the game, even though the score is a little bit stretched. But, you know, those are the – you know, those are the type of innings where you got to get a big hit and put some pressure on them. There's some close plays in the outfield, error in right field there. Was, was the wind a factor at all? No, no. I mean, just, you know, well-placed balls. That's baseball, Patrick, right? Just balls dumped in, right? Uh, you know, saw Sam diving for a ball. You saw Daza diving for a ball. I mean, you know, that happens. You know, when they <clears throat> when you put the ball in play, that will happen. You know, Connor dumped one in late. A Mac dumped one in early. I mean, it's it's part of it's part of baseball, uh, but what you got to do is capitalize when you get those types of situations. With you know, you got to keep the line moving. You hear you hear that phrase a lot. Uh, we just haven't been able to do that. Well, please make sure you are subscribed to the DNVR now. Only fifty cents for your first month. You do get a free shirt from DNVRLocker.com. Any of the new ones that we've got, Nuggets, Avs, or Rockies. You get it for free with an annual membership. Please follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons. And make sure you follow our co-host, my co-host, Susie Hunter, at the Susie Hunter on Twitter. A lot of momentum here going into our post-game show. We will have one, of course, on Thursday. Brendan Vogt will be back. Maybe another guest in studio. I'll be calling in from the stadium. See if I can get a, a good angle where maybe you get to see the ballpark. Should I be by McCovey Cove? Do you want to see the water? Probably not. You're just going to see blue sky behind me at that point. But nevertheless, I'll be calling in with updates from that game. And hopefully it's a, it's a positive one. And the Rockies are able to take at least one before going back to home for nine straight games where maybe they can go and course correct just a little bit. We'll keep that momentum going forward. But you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So we're going to talk to you then.